Yep, I'm telling you, it's coming. It's coming. We're going to see this name lifted up high. We're going to see this name above all names. And I just thank God that uh, we're living in a time, we're living in a season where we're about to see this come. We're about to see this, this happen. And I'm excited, aren't you? Are we all here tonight? Are we all in one? Because I'm going to, tonight I'm going to show you, show you how to get your answers, how to get answers to your prayers like that. I'm going to show you that it isn't going to be the speed of light, it's going to be the speed of thought that we get our prayers answered. How many people have been battling over things in prayer for a long period of time? Amen. We all have. Do you want to know the secret to get God's ear? How to pray effectively? How to get your prayers answered quickly? Wouldn't you like the secret of that? We're going to see it tonight. We're going to see it out of using Daniel 9 and the first 15 verses. I'm going to use probably about 21 verses in Daniel 9. But uh, if you've got your Bibles, please turn to Daniel 9. Because Daniel gives us incredible clues. In fact, he gives us a blueprint how to get answers from God effectively and quickly. But just before we start, I just want to pray. And I want to pray. We're going to pray for uh, some friends of Heidi and ours, Matt and Kat. Matt's in Mogadishu, and his wife, uh, Kat, is in Northern Ireland. And uh, it's a tough place. And what Matt's doing is, is quite tough. So, you know, I said that we would pray for them as a church, you know, and uh, their 15-year-old boy, their 15-year-old son. So, Father, we pray for Matt. Lord, will you have your hand on that man in Mogadishu? Lord, he is your representative of the Holy Ghost-filled man in that area, full of darkness. And, Father, let him be light. Let him be light in that area. And, Father, you've given him a job to do. And I just pray now, Lord, let him start stepping into that in favour in favour with the government, Lord, of, of Somalia, and in favour of, of the people of Somalia. And Lord, we pray for his wife, Kat, as she's at home. And we pray, Lord, that uh, will you just draw alongside her and be a presence, a real presence in this time where Matt is not there, that, Lord, you'll fill up that void. And for their son too. And Father, we pray for Anne, who can't be here tonight, and for Kath, and we just pray, Lord, let your hand be upon them and let your hand be upon Christina, let your hand be upon Daniel, let your hand be upon all the people that can't be here tonight, Father. And we bless them in your mighty name, in Jesus' precious name. And Father, we pray now, let your word go forth. Lord, will you show us tonight a blueprint how to pray effectively? Holy Spirit, will you just now make it real to us? In Jesus' name. Amen. As I said, we're going to get a bit lighter tonight. We're not going to get heavy. We're not going to get burdened. We're going to get lighter tonight because we've gone through some heavy subjects over the last few weeks. And we're just going to have a bit of light relief, but an incredible light relief where we're going to physically and spiritually be lighter because tonight you're going to be more effective in your prayer life, in the way that you pray, how you pray. And, and to get the quickest answers to your prayer. 
Now I know that there are things that Heidi and I have been praying about for over 15 years and not seen coming about. But that doesn't mean that God didn't hear us 15 years ago. It's just that it's in God's will and it's in his perfect time that he will see these things come to pass. There have been prayers that I have said where I thank God now they weren't answered. Because I wouldn't have been able to deal with what I wanted then to what I want now. And I see something in a completely different light to how I was five years ago, ten years ago, and certainly fifteen years ago. But now I feel it's a time as a body of people in bushfire where we know we must need now to know how to pray effectively. And we're going to see the secret of it tonight. And do you know what? It's all right to pray for things, for ourselves and for other people. But as I heard a pastor say, he used to pass his house when he was in the name and claim it time, the name and claim it game, where that's mine, I'm going to pray for it. I'm going to bring it down from heaven. You know, God holds all the cattle on the hills, and I'm going to pray this, this house down. And for months, as he passed this beautiful house, he was saying, Lord, I claim that house. That's my house. I claim it. I claim it. I claim it. And the Lord said, I'll give it to you then. But it's going to cost you your son, who was five years old. And he said, how, how, how do you work that one out, Lord? He says, I'll give you the house if that's what you wanted. But I'm not granting you the house. If I give you the house, your little boy one day is going to kick a football, it's going to go over the fence, he's going to run into the road and get hit by a car. It's going to cost him his life. Do you still want the house? It sobers you up. It sobers you up about what you should be praying for. Right. And this is what we need to do. This is what we need to hear. But I want to recap. I just want to recap. And Nebuchadnezzar, he reigned for 45, 49 years. And when Daniel uh, went into Nebuchadnezzar in, in, in Babylon, he was about 14 years old. We see him go to about 63 years old in Nebuchadnezzar's reign. And then we have Nebuchadnezzar's son, uh, Nabonus. And that was his name. He's not mentioned in the Bible, but his name was Nabonus. Now, he reigned for only six years from 554 BC to 551 BC. And Daniel was about 64, and then at the end of his reign, he was about 70 years old. Then we see Belshazzar. Belshazzar came on the throne about 550 BC to about 540 BC. He ruled for 11 years. Now, Daniel, again, was 71 to 82. Now we're in the Medes and the Persians. And the Mede part of it was Darius, who um, was, was a Mede, uh, but he was... Uh, like he was like a big general for Cyrus, who was a Persian, that we're going to see come into the end of Daniel's time. But we've got to remember that, that Daniel was around about in uh, Darius's reign, 83 years old. At the end of it, he was 87 years old. So Daniel was old. He was an old man, but his eyes were on Jerusalem. Why? Because he knew from the word of Jeremiah that the Jews would come out of captivity of Babylon after 70 years. Jeremiah prophesied it. And Daniel knew that word, and he was praying on that word for over 70 years. Lord, bring me back to Babylon. Bring me back to Babylon. Lord, bring... For 70 years, he was praying that prayer. And do you know what? He never saw it answered. He saw a people go back, starting to go back to Jerusalem, but he never went back. And he wouldn't return to the land of his birth again. 
But now we're going to have a look at this prayer manual that Daniel had cultivated it. Cultivated it um, for over 70 years, probably longer. And he was a man that got answer to prayer. When you have a prophet like Daniel, of Daniel's status, getting two of the archangels turn up of Gabriel and of Michael, you know that his prayers were getting through. You know that he was on to something. But we have a look at um, of how he did it. Now, did you know that if you don't pray, it's sin? If you don't pray, it's, count, it's counted as sin. In 1 Samuel 12, verse 23, it says, Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing in prayer for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. So here we have sin being set if you do not pray. And every born-again Christian, every spirit-filled Christian should pray. There were times this week where it was so busy, where I just snatched prayer. But it doesn't matter. I was always there. I was trying to catch prayer. I was praying things that I was going through the day. It just, just got really, really hectic. And it says, I mean, I always remember Heidi's mum saying this to me. She always said this, you know, says, seven days without prayer makes one week. W-E-A-K. And that, that prayer in the family makes you strong. But prayer, if you've got prayer outside the family, it will make you weak as a unit. So Heidi and I, we try and pray, you know, as much as we can, individually and, and collectively, for our family, for, our, for our, our nucleus. And we shouldn't wait till we get into trouble or we need an answer to prayer. We shouldn't be waiting to that. We should be praying right in the middle of it. We should be absolutely going for it, lock, stock and barrel. Before we get into a mess, before we need an answer to prayer, before anything bad happens or anything good happens. We should always be praising. We should always be worshipping in our prayer. We should always be seeking in our prayer. We should always be looking in our prayer. When we should be hearing in our prayer. I'm going to give you some real pointers. I can't remember how many there were. I think there's about ten pointers of how to get an effective prayer life. And Daniel shows us how. First, pray from Scripture. You must pray from Scripture. That will shock people. We have got to pray from Scripture. And whatever we pray, it must be not just from the Word, but in the Word. And if it isn't, then it isn't God's will. It is not God's will. And I'm going to show you how I have been just... Well, I won't, won't support... Too, just, just give you a glimpse of what I've been doing this week. Because in Daniel 9, verse 1, it says, In the first year of Darius... In the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chalcadians, in the first year of his reign, and you've got to remember, Daniel was a very old man in the first year of his reign. He was around about 81 years old. No, eight, 82, 83 years old. And he says these words. He says, in the first year of reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books and the number of years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. So what do you think for 70 years Daniel had been praying? For the desolation of Jerusalem to go and it to be filled again, to be people inhabiting Jerusalem, the people being brought back from 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 persecution, from captivity, to be brought back to Jerusalem. But he was praying for
from the Word. He was praying from Jeremiah. And Daniel's prayer from Jeremiah was all about the return of the Jews to their homeland. And it was never about himself. He always prayed for the people first. And then it was about him. But we're going to have a look at this prayer. Because in Jeremiah 29 verse 10, it says these words, For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return back to this place. Now Daniel, over that scripture, had probably been worn paper thin, so you could almost see through it. I bet you that his, thin, his, his finger was on that, that verse time and time and time again. Lord, you've promised, you've promised, Lord, you've promised to return your people back to Jerusalem and that we would inhabit Jerusalem again after 70 years of captivity. Lord, it is now 69 years and it's 43 days. Lord, when is it going to start happening? And we can see Daniel getting this desperation in him, you know, as we go, as we go through this because he knew that according to God's words, he knew that that would get an answer to his prayer, get an answer to what he was saying in accordance to the word. Number two, meditate. Meditate on the word in, in scripture. Meditate on it. I'm going to use a, a, a number of scriptures. Um, and one of the scriptures is from Joshua 1 verse 8. It says, Do not let this book of the Lord depart from your mouth, that you shall meditate it day and night, and, a, and, a, and observe everything that is written in according to it that is written. Then you will make your ways prosperous, and then you will have good success. So meditate on Scripture. There are, there are too many of us having this reading of the Bible, and it's all good, I'm not, but there's too many of us rushing to get through the Bible, chapter 1 and 2, to get your Bible plan. But I'll tell you, if we just took time to slow down, to relax, and meditate on Scripture. And what I do is I'll, I'll read a certain element of Scripture, and if something bounces out and hits me, I'll meditate on that. That's the way that I do it. It's just that, oh yeah, okay, I'm gonna, that's, what, that's the prompting of the Holy Spirit. This is what I want you to meditate on. So I sat there as I was going through all this a few weeks ago and just meditating on it. Meditate, well, Lord, what do you want to bring out of this? And then Jeremiah 29, we all know, we can all say it off by heart. Verses 11 and 12 says, For I know the thoughts I have for you, plans to prosper you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you that hope of the future. Then you will call upon my name and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. So, my thing is, do you know the thoughts and the plans that God has for you? Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to bring in peace, the peace of God. And when you pray to him, he will come and listen to you. Do you know every time you pray, he will listen? He will listen. And in Psalm 119, verse 99, it says, I have more understanding than my teachers, for, for your testimonies are my meditation. Listen, we get freaked out as Christians when we say, let's meditate. You know, we don't sit around in a circle, put our fingers together and go, mm, or anything like that. We've got to meditate on Scripture. We've got to say, Lord, what are you saying in this? What are you saying to me in this? Lord, what does this mean? What does this understand? Lord, I've read this a thousand times, but will you give me a new light, a new revelation? And as, as I keep saying that, that Neville says in, in one verse of Scripture, there's seven different revelation parts to it. Seven different aspects to it in just one, one Scripture. And you'll get greater understanding than you've ever had before when you start meditating on his word. 
And that meditation can take 10 minutes, it can take 15 minutes, it can take two hours, whatever the Lord does. But don't stop meditating on Scripture. And it says in Psalm 119, verse 148, it says, My eyes are awake through the night watches that I meditate on your word. This week I had a real problem sleeping. I know that some of you here have real problems sleeping. And one of the problems is that when I start meditating on the Word, like when I'm, when I'm struggling to get to sleep, I say, okay, Lord, I'm going to meditate on you. I get into spiritual warfare. I start battling in the Spirit, and it makes me even more. So I've got to stop fighting. I've just got to know, Lord, I'm going to meditate on Scripture. And I'll go to one of my favorite, you know, favorite parts of the Scriptures that I know, and I'll just meditate on them. Lord, what does it mean to bring peace that is beyond my understanding? What does that, what does that mean? Lord, peace, do not be anxious about everything, but in everything, by prayer and position, pretend, pre- present your request to God. And the peace of God that will transcend all of your understanding, all of your mind, will transform you. Lord, what does that mean? So I'll meditate on it. I'm still meditating on it. Psalm 119, verse 15. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate all of your ways. Psalm 119, 23. Read 119, Psalm 119. Princes also sit and speak against me, but your servant meditates on your statutes. Don't worry about what other people are saying out there. Don't want, want, worry about what people... Do you know what? I don't care what people think about me. I care what my friends think about me. That's different. I care what my wife thinks of me. That's different. But I'm not really bothered about what people who don't know me say. Because they're not going to agree with me. As I like what Paul Keith says. He says, you know, that he gets so many things written about him. And, and you can go on, you, I wouldn't advise it, don't go on the websites, because it's just absolute rubbish. God is going to judge those people. God is going to judge those people writing stuff about great men like John Arnott's. And, you know, you can name them. They're, they're just, they're, 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 they are earning a living out of writing this garbage. And I'm telling you, it is garbage. Absolutely garbage. Let God be God. <laughs> Let him be the judge. You know, but, but I'm telling you now, you know, Neville's word that he gave us 18 months ago about this leprous mouth is starting to happen. We're going to see in the church the Ananias and Sapphira where people are going to be literally carted out of churches because God's judgment is coming. It is coming. It says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in, you, in your sight, O Lord, who is my strength and my redeemer. Psalm, sorry? Psalm, Psalm 19, verse 14. No, Psalm 19, verse 14. Psalm 93, verse 3. Sorry, 99. Sorry, you've got me out of my sink now. Psalm 49, verse 3. My mouth shall speak wisdom and the meditations of my heart shall give understanding. Now, I've only used just a small part of meditation in the Bible. But there are literally hundreds of where meditation is there. And that's what it says. My mouth shall speak wisdom and the meditation of my heart shall give understanding. So, if you want an understanding, meditate on it. Meditate on it. Just spend time in that word. You know, don't just rush it. You know, I've got to get through this. I've got to get through my... I've got to do that. Don't try and over-spiritualize it. Do it because God wants to speak to you. And he'll speak to you through the meditations of your heart. Do you know the word meditate, meditation or meditate are mentioned 169 times in the word. 
169. Don't you think God is trying to say something to us? Number three, read the Word. Always read the Word before prayer, wherever you can. Just read the Word. It just, you know, your spirit man that's in you doesn't know the Word. Feed the Word to your spirit because it doesn't know it. So the more that you read the, the Word, do you know, I'm amazed. I'm amazed at this Word of God. Of, of, of stuff I'm thinking, God, I've read this so many times and I'm getting revelation after revelation after revelation or I'm seeing it in a completely different way than what I saw it a year ago. And so therefore, read the Word and the Word can speak to you. Do you know, every time you open up the Word, it isn't just black and white, it's where the Lord Jesus comes alongside you and reads the Word with you. Literally, physically, he will, he, every Christian that opens up the Word, whether it be on an iPad or in the Bible itself, in a, in a, in a book form, he will draw alongside you. Because what does it say in, 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 in John 1, verse 1? The Word became flesh. The Word became flesh in Jesus. So every time we open up the Word, you can guarantee you can guarantee that Jesus is there. Guarantee it. I always say, Lord, will you speak to me? And the Word will speak to you. Number four, pray humbly. Oh, my Word. Listen, Daniel 9, verse 3, it says, Then I set my face towards the Lord God and made requests of my prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Oh my giddy aunt. When I went and had a look at what it meant, what it physically meant, has anyone heard, has anyone felt sackcloth? Oh, it is it is the roughest, roughest. They used it to literally make sacks. And they used to put, you know, all sorts of stuff in the sacks. It was harsh, it was it was itchy, it was horrible. Now if you've ever been around sackcloth and you've had it on your shoulder, like I've carried, I used to carry back out in home when I had a little job, you know, to carry these sackcloth of, t- of tobacco. They used to whack all the tobacco leaves in the sackcloth. And I used to carry it. And by the end of the day, my shoulders were rubber raw. It is, it is harsh stuff. Harsh, harsh stuff. And what they used to do, what Daniel would do, he would, he would, he would fast, you know, and he would say, right, Lord, I'm going to come to you in prayer. And what he would do, he would strip off, he would wear sackcloth on his skin, and then put all his clothes back on. And then he would pray. But before he prayed, he would get ash, and he would cover it all over his hair, and rub it in his hair and his face. So sackcloth and ashes. So that's... Because what it means, it's an outward sign of the sackcloth mean pain and the, the, the ashes of dirt, the dirt of the world, the pain of this world. It's a reminder that it's a painful place to be in this world and it's a dirty world. And therefore you're saying, Lord, oh, I want to pray how you, how you pray, Lord. This is painful, but you see it as painful, so I want to have it painful. You know, it isn't like this, this what are they, I can't remember what it's, this flagellation that the monks used to do. They used to literally whack their backs with these whips you know, with the pain, and all they had to do is just do what Daniel did, just put on sackcloth and, and saying, Lord, I'm really serious about this. I want to feel your pain. I want to know that, you know, that, Lord, you see me as dirt. 
You see me as dirt. And this is all an outward sign. You know, but guess what, folks? We've got the blood of Jesus. We've got the blood of Jesus. We can come through the name of Jesus that's above all names. And I'll come on to that later. But the best prayers that we will ever have are prayers when we're in pain. The prayers when we're in pain. Where we're saying, oh Lord, without you I'm undone. Without you, without you, Jesus, I've got nothing. I've got absolutely nothing. I need you. Yeah, and if you want a prayer you know, before the Lord in anguish, you'll get an answer. You know, again, I, I listened to this man. I, I gave it to Gail um, before she died. I said, you, you need to listen to this man. Uh, he had fourth degree cancer. He was given three months, four months in which to live. And it's one of the greatest testimonies I've heard of somebody with cancer. Of how he overcame the cancer and God healed him like that. Literally one day he was going to bed dying and then by the morning he was getting up raised from the dead. And how he did it, he gave, he gives thanks to God today that he had cancer for his glory. Because now he has got a powerful, powerful, powerful testimony of the healing power of God. And he can now say, this is my opinion of God. This is my Jehovah Rapha, my, my, my healer. He really is my healer. And he answered me in a time of immense pain. And then, I love David. I love David. David knew all about sin and pain. And you look at David. This is David when Nathan comes up to him and confronts him with not just the adultery of Bathsheba, but the murder of Bathsheba's husband. Um, and he says this. this. This is David's prayer. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all of my iniquity. Sorry, this is out of Psalm 51. Uh, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. He's not, trying to, he's not trying to dodge the issue. He is not trying to go to one side. He's not trying to put blame. He's saying, God, I need you. I need you because only you can cleanse me from my sins. For I know my transgressions. I know what I've done wrong, David is saying. And I have done something completely horrible and my sin is always before you. Against you and only you have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are right in your verdict and justified with what you judge. That's what he's saying. And he's saying, God, judge me. I, I, my sin is always before you. And only against you have I sinned. But my word, God, only you can cleanse me. Only my God, in, in, with all your mercy and according to your unfailing love, Lord, you're, the only, you're my last port of call. But look what happens. That's in Psalm 51. But look what happens after he repents in Psalm 32. David knew how to repent. He was a man of sin, but he knew how to repent. And he was a man after God's own heart. But look at the, this, these verses, by the way. These Psalms are completely interlinked. You can literally go from one day, Psalm 52, the next day, Psalm 32. Sorry, Psalm 51. Did I say 51? 51. And this is Psalm 32. This is when he has prayed the prayer. He's got the forgiveness. He put sackcloth and ashes on, by the way. David put sackcloth and ashes, if you go into the scriptures and read it. 
He put sackcloth and ashes and he fasted and he wouldn't get out of his bed. He was serious. Blessed is the one who his transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sins the Lord does not count against him and in whose spirit is no deceit. Now listen to this. This is what David was going into before prayer, before asking God to come in through the prayer of his forgiveness. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. This is what what sin will do when it isn't confessed. Your bones will literally waste away. And then what will happen is you'll become so numb to it, so numb, it will not even prick you with any conscience when you become thick with sin upon your life. But when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long for day and night. Your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the risings of the mighty water will not reach him, for you are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with the songs of deliverance. This is a great prayer. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. This is God answering him. This is God singing this over him, praying it over him. Do not be like a horse or a mule which has no understanding but must be controlled by the bit and the bridle or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the ones who trust in him. Wow. Wow. Listen. God, through the blood, through the blood of Jesus, can forgive sin and all sin. All sin. Now, here's one. We've got to get serious with God and we've got to be intimate with Him. I cannot... I've got, how, how do I say this? When I married Heidi, we, we, we became one. You know, and you don't just become one by holding hands. You know what I mean? You become intimate. But I want to be... You know, that song, you know, I want to be a friend of Jesus, more intimate than lovers. That's my song. That's my prayer. That's what I want. I want to be so intimate, so passionate, so in love with Jesus that it doesn't matter what we do. And we came here on a Friday, on Tuesday night, uh, sorry, prayer night, Wednesday. We came on a prayer, prayer night on Wednesday. And, and Heidi was saying, oh, I might, I might try and get to this tonight. And, 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 do you know, we've got to pray with passion. We've got to pray with passion. We've got to seek, see, and I'm not just sure, look, I'm a loud person. I love just getting absolute passionate, getting absolute, Lord, I'm going to, and passionate about it. Some of us can get passionate without saying a word. You, 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 your stomach goes upside down and, and you go all melty and you go, oh God, I love you. I'm just passionate for you without hardly saying a word. We've got different ways of praying. Now, some people pray Sometimes, not for me, well, okay, I'll be honest. Sometimes Heidi will pray and she'll just pray in tongues all the time. Right, right, right in my ear, where I'm just trying to think, I'm trying to meditate, I'm trying to get into the spirit of things, I'm having, you know, and that, but that's the way the Heidi prayers, prays. Lord, send me to the back and pray. 
you know, but you know, but she's praying passionately. She's passionate for the Lord, you know, and 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 so we we've got to be passionate. You listen, I'm sick and tired of seeing more people being passionate, you know, Christians about their sporting hero or their their team, and you know, oh, have you seen so and so? And they get passionate about talking about the sport or the football team or or whatever, or. They're raising it on the terraces and they come in here and they sit like a squeaky old mouse in the presence of God. There's something wrong with that. You know, I, you know that's the way God says, I wish that you were neither hot nor cold. You know, be, be red hot than lukewarm. I'd rather you be cold. I'd rather you be hot. But don't be in the in-between. Don't be lukewarm. I'll just spit you out of my mouth. We've got to be passionate. Passionate for God. You know, because it's really hard to talk to Christians who sit there and thinking, (coughs) don't tell me what I don't want to hear. Don't tell me something about the judgments of God. Don't tell me about this, because I'm sitting in my nice, cosy church, getting my nice, you know, cosy time with the guards, you know, and and yet they go out of church and the, the other six days sucks. Or it's going really well for them. Yes, it's one way or the other, you know, and, and yet, you know, you look at people who are passionate for Jesus, you look at their lives, it's never without trouble, it's never without battle, it's never without having to overcome. Why? Because they want to overcome something. Just look in the book of Revelations, to those that overcome, look at the seven promises of God, to those that overcome, to those that overcome, to those that overcome. I promise this, this is God's promises. You want to overcome something, look at the seven promises God gives you to overcome. But we're constantly trying to overcome something in here. Why? Because we're trying to grow. But be passionate in your prayer. Be in, intensive. You can't be intense enough. Daniel 9 verse 3, Then I set my face towards God. This is, this is when you have your forehead like flint. I'm not going to be distracted. I'm going to switch off the phone. I'm going to switch off the television. I'm not going to answer anything. I'm going to close the door. And there better be a house burning down if people knock on the door. Because I ain't coming out. I'm going to set my face towards God and I will not stop until I get an answer. I will not stop and I will set my face like flint, my forehead like flint, towards God and make requests by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. He set his face towards God. So what did he do? He positioned himself. Here I am, God, I'm making my... This is, this is your time. This is your time. This is your time, God. He positioned and he pleaded with God. Do you know that word pleaded, when I had a look at it in, in, in the Old you know, Testament, that word pleaded means to wrestle. So when you plead with God, you wrestle with them. And you all know the story of Jacob when he wrestled with God. In Genesis 32, verse 21, uh, 24 to 28. 32, 24. Heidi's on the projector. When, when Jacob wrestled with God. See, Jacob, you know, he's a guy that stole off his brother, you know, the blessings of the father onto the eldest, and he stole it, you know, by, by mim- mimicking that he had hairy arms and a hairy chest, and he put cloth on him, you know, fur on him. And, and he stole, and he lied, and he, he lied his way to the top. But you know what? I believe that God said, God, if he's prepared to do this, I can use him. But when he met him, he refused to, to stop wrestling with God. And look what God had to do. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, 
when he saw that he did not prevail against them. Who saw that he wasn't prevailing? Jesus wasn't prevailing against Jacob. He wasn't prevailing. He wasn't getting rid of this man. He had battled, he had wrestled with Jacob all night. And Jacob was still coming at him, still coming at him, still coming at him. And he says, he touched the socket of his hip and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what's your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. You have struggled with God and with men and prevailed. So listen, folks, when we don't get the answer, we've still got to wrestle. We've still got to be passionate. We've still got to plead. We've still got to absolutely go for it. We've still got to hammer in. We still, we should never give up. And do you know what most Christians do up? They give up when they don't get the answer they want. They give up praying for it. They give up. Listen, we have been praying to God for a building. Not just one building, but two buildings, or three buildings, no matter how much. But you know what? God heard our prayer the first time that we said it. The first time he said it. It's going to be in his timing, his perfect timing, that we'll get these buildings. They are coming. Just because they aren't coming tomorrow, or they didn't come last week, doesn't mean that God hasn't answered our prayer. They're coming. But it's going to be in his perfect timing perfect timing. But Lord, do you know what? I'm still knocking. I'm still seeking. I'm still petitioning. I'm still going. We're we're doing it as a church week after week after week after week. And it's almost like we're wrestling with God and then eventually God says, will they ever give up? (laughs) Will they ever give up? I better give it to them. They won't give up. They won't give up. They won't give up. And personal things. You cannot give up on your personal things. I, you know, my prayers have changed. My prayer life has changed. You know, not just since getting this, and I thank God when I got this, that I was doing it. I was almost there. You know, and, and I just had to keep things. But we've got to keep asking. I love that story. You know, I, you know this, this Bobby Connor, when he tells a story about, he had this word for this woman, this old lady who was in, in her 70s, Lovely white hair and really presentable and you know, really lovely old lady. And, and, and the Lord said, I have a word with you. Will you give it to her? And you know what Bobby Connor's like. He's been here. He said, Lord, I'll give it to her. Well, what is it, Lord? Call her up. He said, what is it, Lord? Call her up. And he said, lady, the Lord's got a word for you. Do you want to know it? And she goes, yes, please. Come up here. And he's saying, Lord, you better, <laughs> you better hurry up and answer this prayer. You know. um, and then he heard the voice of God. And he called her up and he's on the mic and he says to himself, I can't tell her that. And then he gets some boldness and he says, Lady, he says, God wants to say this to you. I saw you plucking that duck. And this woman collapsed. Absolutely floods of tears. And Bobby's kind of thinking to himself, what have I done here? She's in floods of tears. She is undone. And the story was, that in 1944, her husband was serving overseas in the, in the Second World War, and the, uh, the only way that she could provide for her family was to literally, she had plucking ducks that were racked up and stuffed in the feathers, you know, uh, into pillows and, you know, with, with you know, that, that uh, duck down. And, and I, like, I used to pluck turkeys uh, over Christmas and Easter. I can't eat turkeys now. I love them. 
I really do. I mean, I, I hated it. You know, when I used to grab this turkey and just this big old thing and hoist it there and this little head was just there, just resting on my shoulder. It never fought me. It never plucked me. It never scratched me. They were just beautiful. And I had to shove them in a funnel and break its neck and whilst it was still hot, rip all the feathers out. Now, if you've ever done it for over any length of time, within a very short space of time, the fingers become raw. They become absolutely raw. Painful. Painful. And, and you have to strip all this stuff off these turkeys. Uh, chickens, I didn't mind killing, actually. They put a fire up. They're plucky little things. Uh, yeah. But anyway, but, but, the, but my, my hands became red salt. And what happened was this woman was, was in absolute pain as she was plucking these chickens and making maybe 10 cents a, 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 a duck that she was plucking. And, and she just said, God, do you even know that I'm here? Do you even know that I'm here? Can't you see this? And she was in pain. And do you know what? She went for 40 years for God to say to her, I heard you the first time. I saw you plucking that duck. I was with you right away from... And that's what she had waited all of her life to hear. That God had heard her. God had seen her. God was with her. God helped her through the hard times to bring up those children almost single-handedly. God saw it. And you know what? I've had some desperate prayers. I've had some real desperate prayers. Even as a non-Christian, I had some desperate prayers. And I thank God. I thank God he heard me. Even in that desperation, I thank God that he heard me. Because he knew he could see, he, could be, he, we're, we're, he knows who's going to say yes to him. But his hand was, was right upon me. I could have been married five times over. Five times over. But I thank God that not one of them worked because he had the special one for me. He had the gift for me, which was Heidi. You know, and so I gave up that struggle of wanting to be married. I just gave it up. I said, okay, Lord, if you want me to be married. I'm... But folks, let's not be in a rush. God can deal with it in the time where you are not expecting it to answer those prayers. And I wasn't even looking to get married. I was happy being single. You know, I was happy being celibate. You know, I was happy you know, in that time. You know, and then God just opened the door and within four or five months we were married. It happened just so quickly. And thank God 16, we're in our 17th year and we're still happy, we're still passionate, we still love each other. That's God. That is God. He sometimes won't give you things because it's not good for you. But when you're in his will and you're not in a rush, I see too many young people wanting to marry the first ship that comes into port. Whereas a few years down the line, they're saying, God, I married the devil. <laughs> and the Lord's saying, I could have told you that. <laughs> I see too many Christians you know, getting involved in, 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 in relationships that are wrong for them. And then I see them years down the road where they know it's wrong for them, but they're in it, you know. So I love that. Never give up. Be passionate. Have Because if you're passionate in your prayer life, you're going to be passionate in your real life. You're going to be passionate for him. Daniel 9, verse 4. And I prayed to my Lord, my God, and made confession and said, listen to Daniel's confession. O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments. 
You know, Heidi and I, you know, we realize in the early days that God loves those that keep his commandments. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, and you can go through the book of Deuteronomy and it just, that's the word. You know, if you love me, then you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll keep my, you know. And it's, it's, and, and it's do you know what? I don't want to sin anymore. I really don't. There was a time I loved sin. I loved sin. It was fun. Sin is nice. S-I-N. You know, I loved it. And yet, now I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it not because I don't want to get discovered doing it. I don't want to do it because it will displease him. I'm passionate for him. It doesn't mean that I don't. It doesn't mean that I don't you know, have to go before him in sin and say, Lord, will you wash me? Will you cover me? I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to think like this. I don't want to do that. Lord, I don't want to say that. Lord, forgive me for that. You know, and and it's, it's having that where I just, God, you know, I'm passionate for you. I'm passionate for you. I don't want to sin anymore. I don't want to do it because it hurts you. I don't, you know, I know it's going to hurt other people, but it hurts you more than it hurts the other people. So I don't want to do it. I'm driven by that. You know, and, and it's what I said in Daniel 1. Are you praying passionately for the food that you put on your table? That it's not you that puts it on, it's God that puts the food on the table. I think, and Corinth, I look at Corinth every time, and it's almost like we're kindred. Me, Corinth, and Heidi, you know, we're kin- we live by faith. You know, we live by faith where God just provides. And God, and you know, every time I get passionate, when we, when we have food on the table, I say, do you know, I, God, thank you, God, for putting food on my table. Thank you, God, for providing a roof over my head. Thank you, Jesus, that we have got this. We might not have this, but we've got the best. We've got you. Get passionate about it. Pray. This is how Daniel got the blessing of God as a 14-year-old, where he said... Give me the, 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 the pulses and the beans and the rotten old vegetables and I'll tell you what, I'll outgrow these people. And he prayed over that food. I'll guarantee you, he prayed over it. But he thanked God for it. How many of us, how many people, do you know how many people go in this world, go to bed tonight hungry? Over a third of the population of this world go to bed hungry. And it's a travesty. It's an, uh, there's an injustice that is going to be soon addressed in church where we waste our food. We put more food that would feed a family for a week in the bin. In a week. And that's wrong. And do you know what God is going to do in the church? He's going to take our dependence upon money to put our dependence on him. And if you want to get a way of doing it, ask Karen. She's been living this life for two years now totally dependent upon God and God's provision. And you don't hear it. I've never heard Corin complain. Never once heard her complain. And God is blessing her. God is blessing her. God is blessing her. In the same way, Heidi and I have got our own testimony. God is blessing us. Amazingly. Amazingly. There isn't one bill in this whole year that we haven't been able to, pray, we haven't been able to pray, pay for. And I thank people like June. You know, two people in the last two weeks have come up to me, and one of them was June. Now, June, she won't mind me saying this, because this is just her heart. You know, Hardy and I needed to pay some things, and we had no money. And we had no money to do something with Joshua, and it was his birthday coming up. And I'm thinking, God, you know, I, I, haven't, I haven't got any money. <laughs> How am I going to do it? And then, then two people within two days came up to me, and June was one of them, and said, God has blessed me. Here you go, and he wants to bless you. And she gave me money that she could have used for herself. She could have used, you know, that is the widow's might. You know, it's, inc- it's incredible. 
And then somebody else came and said, Andy, this is for you and Heidi. You know, it's, and do you know what? It brings me to my knees. I, I, I absolutely, I, I just thank God for it. I thank God that God is speaking to people and he will speak to people and individuals. And if you get that, you know, sometimes it's costed me and Heidi a lot of money when we've answered God's prayer, when uh, God, God has been speaking to us in prayer and, and, and I'm saying, God, you want to do what? And you want me to give what? I rebuke that as from the devil. But sooner around, I come around, you know, and it's a blessing. It's, it's just great. It's fantastic. But I don't do it so I expect God to give me seven times seven. You know, I do it because that's what God's told me to do. And he is God. He'll do whatever. You know, we're not to store riches up on earth. Where are we store them? In heaven. I'd, do you know what I mean? Anyway, pray, pray, pray passionately. Romans 8, verse 23, Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what we should pray as, for, as what we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession with us with groanings that cannot be uttered. See, we know that we've got the Holy Spirit praying right alongside us, and we've also got Jesus mediating for us. Isn't that incredible? Through our prayer, the Holy Spirit comes up, and this is why I, I couldn't understand it. I couldn't understand it until I came across this verse where I would see people go, go, start doing all this, these groans coming out of them. Heidi's sister-in-law, she is the biggest groaner, the biggest screamer, and it's this, coming out of her. It's, 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 it hasn't got a detectable language, but it's a heavenly language that he understands. And out of the groanings, God and the Holy Spirit comes alongside us. I love it. If he groans, then sometimes we should groan as well. Confess your sins. Oh, my word. Confess your sins. Do it before you get up. As you get up, throughout the whole day, just confess your sins. Look at Daniel, verses uh, 5 to 14. This is Daniel. We. Now, Daniel, he's including himself in this, but he's praying for the people of Israel. He's a true intercessor. He says, we have sinned. Daniel hasn't sinned. Daniel wants to return more than anything else. But he's saying, we have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, people like Daniel, people like Isaiah, people like Ezekiel. They they completely, in fact, they saw one of them in our who spoke in your name to the kings and the princes, to our fathers and all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us shame of face. As it is this day, the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all of Israel, and near and those far off and all the countries to which you have driven them, because of the unfaithfulness that they committed against you. O Lord, to us belongs shame of face, to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God have belonged mercy and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he has set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yes, all Israel has transgressed your law and have departed, so not to obey your voice. Therefore, the curse and the oath written in the law of Moses and the servant of God has been poured out on us because we have sinned against him. This is his prayer. 
This is his prayer for Israel. It's incredible. And he has confirmed his word, which he spoke against us and against our judges who judged us, by bringing upon us great disaster. For under the whole heaven, such has never been done as what has been done to Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us. Yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand your truth. Therefore the Lord has kept the disaster in mind and has brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works which he has done, though we have not obeyed his voice. Do you know what he's saying here? Daniel is saying, Father, Israel have got what is deserved. We've got what we deserve. But we need now to ask you to forgive us. This is his prayer. We deserve all of us. We deserve all of us. But Lord, we ask you now to forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for our sins. Forgive us, Lord, forgive us. And do you notice that Daniel not once mentioned himself? Not once. His supplication, his prayer, were for the people of Israel. And he's saying, this is our judgment from God. Because we, were, we, were, we didn't listen to the prophets that he sent to Israel. He, we, we didn't even heed them. Our fathers didn't heed them. Our kings, our princes, nobody paid any attention to them. And yet we've got what we deserve. Oh my word. What is coming upon this land? We're going to get what we deserve unless this nation repents, unless some Daniels are rised up from the ashes and we start getting before the Lord for this nation. Oh my word, we're gonna, we have to do it. We have to confess for as if we have committed, the, we, we've allowed it. We've allowed it. We deserve everything we get. We deserve everything that we get. We, we deserve the weather, we deserve the storms. We deserve the rain. We deserve the cutting off of electricity. We deserve it all. We are going to be taken out of our comfort zone like never before. We are going to be taken out of it. You're not going to... I keep saying this. Try cooking without electricity or gas in your home. Try putting food in your cupboard when you've got no money. Try putting petrol in your car when there isn't any petrol in the, in, the in the petrol stations. It's coming, folks. This is coming. Why? Because we've departed from the laws of God. We don't have prayer in our schools. We don't have prayer. We don't have, you know, faithful assemblies. We don't have, we've, we've allowed laws and statutes about marriage. You know, we've allowed it all coming through our, our land. And, we, and we've gone, we voted for them. Or we haven't voted for those people that we should have voted for. 33% of this population votes. That's disgusting. My father and my grandfather fought for this country to give us the right to vote. And our children ignore it. Well, what difference is it going to make? Well, then don't be surprised what laws are going to be passed in this land. Let the body of Christ start rising up and be the voice in, in our nation. There is going to be a body of Christ. There's going to be a body of people like us that are going to start rising up and being a voice to this nation. There are going to be people from, from bushfire going to government. There's a prophetic word. I didn't even mean to say that. There are going to be people from here that are going to speak to government. And we might have the Daniels. We might get the dreams that, that 
Cameron had last night. And we're going to interpret them. We're going to tell them what the dream was, then we're going to interpret it for them. And we're going to say to them, do you know what God is saying? Be a friend of Israel. You want to sort out your foreign policy? You want to sort out your economic policy? You want to be a friend of Israel. God will bless those who bless them. God will curse those who curse them. And I can take you through a history lesson of this nation losing its commonwealth. We're having the commonwealth games. But when we started giving away the land of Israel back in 1904, we started giving the Palestinian, the pa- that's what it was called, Palestine, we started giving the land away, left, right and centre, we lost our land. We lost our land from that minute. There is judgment coming and most, most Christians are behaving like ostriches. We've got our bums in the air and our heads in the sand. And don't be surprised if we're going to get shafted. Now I say that, absolutely. Don't be surprised if, if the devil comes along and we've got our heads buried in the sand. Don't be, don't be surprised what happens around us. But I'm telling you, it's not happening here. And most of you are absolutely alongside me in this. It's not happening on our watch. We're going to have the answer. We're going to turn our hard-hearted people back to Jesus. If Jesus can do it to the Welsh miners, who are hard as hard, he can do it in this land. He can do it in this county. To the stubborn-hearted heart Yorkshireman. He's going to do it again. Look at verse 11. Yes, all of Israel has sinned against your law and has departed so as not to obey your voice. Therefore, the curse and the oath written in the law of Moses and the servant of God has been poured out against us because we've sinned against him. The weather and the storms and everything that we've had on this land over these last two years has, has, has been judgments of God. I'll guarantee you. It says in Proverbs 23, verse 13, He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Be passionate before God, even in your sin. Be passionate. Lord, I don't want to do this. I hate this about me. It says in Isaiah 53, verse 6, that for we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned his own way. Each of us have sinned. Each of us have turned our own ways. But you know what? I love David. I love Peter. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. That isn't a, a door to open to sin and then just get it washed. No. People have things, you know, we've all got our skeletons in our closets, you know, whatever that may be. And all I'm saying is, Lord, help me to overcome this. Help me to overcome this one. It might be you're swift to anger or you're, you're, you're swift to, to say, oh, nobody cares, nobody does this. And you start getting resentful. Or you've got another thing that's really hidden and it's, it's clothed away. And, 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 and you say, oh, God, I wish I just didn't do that. I love what Paul says. I do the things that I don't want to do and I don't do the things that I should do. I feel like that sometimes. I feel like that when the phone goes. <laughs> oh, Lord, do we have to deal with this now? Do I have, do I have to speak to that person? Do I, you know, do I have to? And I'm not talking to anybody here, by the way. You know, you know, but, you know when, 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 you, when you're here and you've just finished and you're tired on a Sunday and, you know, and then people start you know, coming up. And I don't mind. You know, I love it. I will never stop being and I'm, I'm not complaining about that at all. But I've heard preachers saying, keep them away from me. That ain't right. Yeah, that's, that's what we should be doing. That's what Heidi and I and Corinne and Michelle, and uh, we should be, you know, people want to come speak to me, I'm not going to stop anybody speaking to me. I might have to say to them, do you know what? 
I'm really tired. I really, I'm, I'm really, I've got to sit down. I've got to go for a cup of coffee or I've got to go and speak to so, so don't get offended. You know, anyway, confess your sins. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's 1 John 1 verse 9. I just want to quickly finish. Uh, number eight. You've just not got to know God as God, but you've got to know God as your daddy. He's your daddy. He's your daddy in heaven. Abba, Father, daddy, daddy, daddy. You know, and it's all about relationship. You know, Heidi and I have, have this conversation today, you know, where we don't want to work with other ministries if we don't have a relationship with them. I don't know them from Adam. I don't know their character. I don't know who they are. I'll only work with people that I know. And I know their character. I know their hearts. I know their hearts are either for the city or for, for, for God and they're passionate about him. I'll work with those people. But I won't work with people that, don't know, uh, that I don't really know that well. I just think that's a, just a thing that God has put on me. But... Um, but I know God is my daddy. And therefore, I want to give him my best. If he's my daddy, I want to please my daddy. I don't do things just to please him. I want to do these things to please him. I want Joshua to do things to please his daddy. Like being a good boy to not do this and not do that and do this. And yeah, he's the most loving boy. You know, he say, he'll come up to you and he'll put your, his arms around you and he'll say, Daddy, I love you. I love you. And he doesn't want anything. I love that. Those are the most precious times for me. You know, when he comes up to Heidi and I hear conversations, he says, Mummy, you're the best mummy in the world. I wouldn't, don't want any other mummy. You're my best mummy. I love that. This is our little six-year-old doing what we should be doing. Daddy, you love me. Daddy God, you love me. You're God. You're the God of this universe, but you love me. You love me. And, and we're in this world for him, you know. We're not in this world for ourselves. We're in this world for him. We've got to bring glory to his name. And, and James 4, verses 2 and 3 says... You lust, you lust and do not have. You murder and covet and do not and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have it because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss and that you may spend it on your pleasures. One of the ways that we will never get our prayers answered if we're praying for ourselves and praying for our pleasures. Lord, give me a bigger house. What's wrong with the one you got? Heidi says to me, oh, we've got the smallest. I hate this kitchen. I hate this kitchen. And I have to correct her. Honey, we've got a kitchen. Thank God we've got a kitchen. Oh, but it's too... No, thank God. And yes, it does get... When there's three bodies in, the, in there trying to do three different things and we're bumping into each other and you go, get out of my way. Get, then suddenly there's a big fight happening in the kitchen. Get out of... We've got a kitchen. I know we've got... But get out of my kitchen. You know, but, but we've got a kitchen. Praise God we've got a house. Many people have to do their cooking outside. They haven't got a kitchen. Yeah, and, and that's the way that we, we've got to be more heavenly-minded than we are earthly-minded. I hate that saying when people say, you're so heavenly-minded, you know, you know, you're, you're no earthly good. No. I want to be so heavenly-minded. So heavenly-minded. I want to be mindful about everything that he does, everything that he says, everything that he wants. I want to be mindful for that. Nothing else. And do you know the one thing that God is trying to do? Well, I'll tell you what God's trying to do at the moment. Is creating us, John 5, 17. That's what he's trying to do to his people. I can only do what I see the Father doing. Sorry, 5, 19. 
I can only do what I see the Father doing. That's one thing he wants to do, is create a body of people that do what he asks us to do. But here's another thing that he's trying to do. He's trying to kill you. God is trying to kill you. I love what Bobby Connor says. Bobby Connor says, you know, if this world was just about believing and getting salvation, we'd only need two ministries, the evangelist and the assassin. You know, right, I'll give my life to the Lord, boom, get him up to heaven before he screws it all up. But you know, what, what God is trying to do is this. I've got this, you might love me, you might hate me, but I've got this tattooed on my arm. 220, Galatians 220. 220 for a purpose. Your maximum heart rate is 220. You go above 220, you're in trouble. <laughs> I took one guy running, his heart rate went up to 232. And I thought, if you don't sit down, you're going to die. Yeah, but, but your maximum, you know, when you're in the presence of God, I want to be in my maximum heart rate. Wow, you're incredible. You're beautiful. You're, you're awesome. But Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. If you no longer live, you can never be offended. If you no longer live, it doesn't matter what anyone says against you, you're forgiven. If you no longer live, it doesn't matter if somebody slams a door in your face, you can walk away from it. You've got to be dead to self. I'm learning this. Heidi's learning this. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. God is trying to kill you off so he can live in you. Let it be your will, Lord, not mine. That's my prayer. Lord, bend me. Same one that Evan Roberts had. Bend me, Lord. Bend me to your will so that my will is no longer viable. Only your will is. And I think that we need to die. We need to die to ourselves. We need to die to anything. Look, they persecuted him, they're going to persecute you. They hated him, they're going to hate you. Get used to it. You know, we, we have people calling us in bushfire cult. That we're a cult. You know, because, well, actually, they don't really know us. These are people just who've heard things and heard maybe some of the things that we're saying, some of the things that we're in end time ministry. And people don't want to hear about end times because it's God's judgments coming upon the earth. They don't want to hear any of this stuff. You know, but, but because of that, they call us a cult. But you know what? I love the Lord. If I thought, if I was, if I thought, that I was starting a cult, I'd say, Lord, take me up. I love you too much. I don't want to get in the way, Lord. Just, just remove me. Yeah, and, and, and Heidi and I have laid down this ministry. Yeah, we, we've laid it down. Just two, three weeks ago. We've laid it down. We said, Lord, do you know what? If you want us to close it, we'll close the doors. We'll close the doors and hand the key back to the landlord and walk away from it. And then, but you know, God isn't, God's requiring us to do that, to lay, you know, lay everything down. But I only want to build his kingdom because I love him. I want his name to be lifted up in this, this nation because I love him. I don't want his name now to be known as a swear word. I want it to be known as a praise word, as a love word, as a love language. I hate when people use his name, the precious name of Jesus, as just a common word, as a, to make it, as, as Daniel said, profane, common. It's a name above all names. And he is going to have a body of people that are going to lift his name up. Number nine, almost there. Always expect an answer to your prayers. As long as we're following all of the above. 
Always expect an answer. Look at Daniel, verses 20 and 21 in chapter 9. Always expect an answer to your prayers. Daniel was praying this prayer in chapter, in verse 2 of chapter 9. Look what happens by verse 20. And while I was speaking, praying, and confessing my sins and the sins of my people Israel, and presenting, while I was doing this, presenting my supplications between, before the Lord my God from the holy mountain of my God. Yes, while, this is surprising him, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, beginning caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering. So Daniel gets up, he starts praying in the morning, he gets through to the afternoon, and Gabriel turns up while he was praying. How many people want that? How many people want to be praying and have an Archangel Gabriel turn up, or the Archangel Michael, or an angel of God turning up and saying, here's the answer to your prayer. Here we go. Here it is. I want that. And why did Daniel get it? Exactly what I've just been saying. Exactly what I've been saying. He prayed from the Word. He believed in the Word. He prayed from it. He believed in everything that he meditated on the Scriptures. He did it all. You know, and it's, we're going to get not just the answer from the speed of light, we're going to get the answer to the speed of thought. There's a body of people, you know, Jesus went out and he prayed. And then he got John 5.19. That's why when he went in the early morning and he prayed, Lord, what do you want to do today? His father God, his daddy, turned around and said, son, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go through the pool of Bethesda. There's going to be a man who's going to be laid out there. He's going to be out there for a, for a number of years. He can't get to the water. And every time the angel I send stirs the water, he can't make it to it and get healed. Go and heal him, but then walk away. Okay, daddy, I've got it. And you know the story. He could have started a crusade, <laughs> but he did what he saw the father doing. That's what he's looking for. Yeah. I was out there with Joshua yesterday. We went swimming up in Hathersage. And we were watching these people bowl. You know, the old green bowling. Great sport, by the way. Brilliant sport. It's not for oldies. For young ones as well. Great one. But did you know, and Joshua was saying, what's that, Daddy? So I said to him, well, that, see that big black ball? That's, that's, a, that's what they call a bowl. That little yellow one, that's called a jack. And, and then... What they do is they throw the jack down. You've got to try and get your bowl to the jack. But what you most don't know, if you do know this or don't know it, but inside the bowl, the ball, B-O-W-L, it's got a weight. And it's got a very heavy weight at one end and a thinner weight at the other end. So in other words, when you throw it, it will never go in a straight line unless you throw it quickly. It will curve. And that's called the bias. B-A-I-S, bias. B-I-A-S, bias. And do you know what? As, as, as I was explaining this, I got this. This is what we're doing. We're trying to put our own bias on our prayers. We're trying to bend God into our will. Instead of, instead of actually getting the right side of the bias of praying God's side and putting his weight behind it. And guess what? We'll get close to the jack. We'll get so close to it. But yet we shouldn't be praying with our bias on it. We should be praying with his bias on it. Get the, uh, the prayer out of yourself and get it onto him 
and for others. And you'll have an answer to prayer like that when we stop praying with our bias. I love that. Isaiah 65, verse 24, it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And whilst they are still speaking, I will speak. This is about to happen to us. We're going to start having, I'm, pro- I'm prophesying this. I'm prophes- we're going to start, if we pray like this, we're going to start having answers to prayers quicker than that. Quicker than that. I saw you plucking that duck. Isaiah 65, verse 24. Instead of, you know what most of us do? God, if it's your will, is it yes, is it no, or is it maybe? By the time you've started doing all that, it's flown you by. You've missed it. Yes, no, maybe. No. God, what's your will in this? What's your will in this? And you'll get, you'll get the answer. And I don't want to be esteemed as Daniel was esteemed by God. I, I, I want my, my daddy to love his son as he loved Daniel. Daniel verse 23, it says, At the beginning of your supplications, the command went out. This is the archangel Gabriel. And I have come to tell you, I've been sent from the throne room of God, Daniel. I, Gabriel, are going to give you a new message. For you are greatly beloved greatly beloved and therefore consider the matter and understand the vision Daniel prays he has the archangel Gabriel turn up and boom because he's greatly loved I want to be a man after God's own heart I want to be greatly loved by him and you know what I am and so are you you are greatly loved by your daddy God number 10 and I've got I've got too many verses. Far too many verses. This is where we, we should always pray through the blood of Jesus. Always pray through the blood of Jesus. God doesn't see us. He only sees his son and the sacrifice that he, he paid when we pray. And it's not by law, it's by the blood of Jesus. If you go on to Galatians 2.21, look at this. I did, not, I did not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ has died in vain. We need Jesus. And we need the blood of God. We need to be washed and cleansed by the blood of God. Because otherwise he's done it all in vain if we live by the law. Romans 3 verse 25. Whom God sent forth as propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness, etc., etc., and, but God first demonstrated his own love towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Then, then, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we should be saved from the wrath of him. Ephesians 1.7 Ephesians 1.7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the richness. I can go on and on and on and on. Hebrews 9, 30, 13, 1 Peter 1, verse 19. I can keep going on and on about the blood of Jesus. I could be here for another hour going on about the blood of Jesus. But I want to finish with this. And I want you just to learn this, take this verse, go and meditate on it. Meditate on this verse for the next week 
and you'll be a different person when you walk in here next week. You should never, ever, ever forget that you are the apple of God's eye. You are the apple of God's eye. It says in Zechariah 2, verse 8, For thus says the Lord of hosts, He sent me after glory to the nations which plundered you, for he, touches, for he that touches you touches the apple of my eye. He that's in me is greater than he that's in the world. No weapon formed against me can ever prosper. Why? Because I'm the apple of his eye. You touch me, my daddy's going to... I'm going to go and get my daddy. He'll sort you out. I love it. I love it. And then this week, I've been praying and praying, praying, praying on one scripture. Just turn with me. I'm just going to show you something. Turn with me to John 17. This has been my prayer. Now remember, in John 12, verse 14, it says that we'll do even the greater works. As he did it, we're going to do it. Right? That's what he wants us all to do, the greater works. But look at this. This has been my prayer. This is where Jesus prays to be glorified. He looked towards the heaven and prayed. This is Jesus. Father, the hour... Sorry? Verse 1. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. Father, will you glorify us tonight so that we can glorify you? What a great place to start praying. Why? For you granted me authority over all the people that he might give eternal life to all those that he has given him. So Father, I pray now, Lord, will you endure us with power Will you create an open heaven over us tonight so that, Lord, that we can bring glory to your name, that we can reach the lost and bring them into the, the kingdom of God for our Jesus because he wants his inheritance. And therefore it says that they will know that you are the only true God. So, Father, I pray now that, Father, through this, that they will know you as their true God. But, Lord, we cannot do that without a touch from heaven. So I pray, Lord, will you endure us with power from on high, with authority and with power in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that is eternal life that you may, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory in the earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in the presence with the glory I had with you before the world begun. So, Father, we pray now, before this world was even begun, we were formed, we were seen, we were right by you. So, Father, I pray now, will you start, help us to start finishing the work that you have gave us before time even begun. That, Father, that we in this place will lift up the precious name of Jesus like never before. So we may glorify you and bring them who don't know you, Lord, into complete repentance. That they will come running to this altar, 
give them, throw themselves down and follow you all the days of their lives so that, Lord, they won't be converts, they'll become disciples. So, Daddy God, I pray now, will you do that amongst each and every one of us, that we will start leading people to know who Jesus is. But, Lord, that more importantly, that they will know our Daddy God in heaven, that they will know that they are the apple of your eye, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, folks, let's start doing it. Start praying. Start implementing it. Start. It's a, it's a big one. It's a really big, 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 big one. But I think it's probably one of the most important things we can do to get effective prayer, get effective answers to our prayers. I believe that's going to happen. Why? Because I've meditated on that word. I've presented that word. I've thought about it. I've prayed on it. Not that I want to be glorified and say, aren't I great? I want, them to, to, I want God to put his power and anointing upon us all here so that we may go out there and glorify his name. That ain't wrong. That is not a, that's not a wrong prayer. Because, Lord, it says in your word that we're to do the greater works. So, Father, I pray now over each and every one of us that we'll start doing the greater works. Not just the elementary things, as Paul says, of raising the dead, cleansing lepers, driving out demons, Lord, and healing the sick but Lord, to show them that you are God and that Jesus, you are the name above all names. Amen. Amen. Was that helpful? I know I went on a little bit too longer, you know, got off my notes, but the gist of it's there. The gist of it's there. We've just got to follow those ten things in our prayer life. You know, but folks, one of the most, what God has spoken to me about is get our eyes off our bias and get it onto his. Amen.